The Confluence Story Gathering Podcast is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit that connects people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River system. Find us at confluenceproject.org. It's just been amazing that in such a short amount of time, we've developed a foundation that will allow future generations to say that they have grown up in a household and a home that has always had a garden. Welcome to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. As European settlers colonized North America, the indigenous people of this land struggled to maintain their spiritual, political, and cultural identities. These days, there is a growing movement to reclaim those identities. And one way to do that is through traditional foods. Today on the Story Gathering podcast, a discussion of a recent documentary on Native American food sovereignty called Gather. Our conversation includes two of the people featured in the film, Nephi Craig, a chef from the White Mountain Apache Nation in Arizona, who opened an indigenous cafe as a nutritional recovery clinic, and Samuel Gensaw, the co-founder of Ancestral Guard, a group of environmental activists from the Yurok Nation in Northern California, trying to save the Klamath River. Our conversation took place during a Confluence online discussion in May of 2021. The moderator for the event was Mary Lee Jones, a traditional gatherer and a member of the Yakima Nation, who has coordinated traditional food seminars throughout the Pacific Northwest. This is a huge honor to be able to be a moderator with Nephi and Sammy. Um, I've watched the movie, the film several times and being a part of this community, one of the largest reservations in the state of Washington, it's, um, it's a huge honor to, to be able to represent. And so um, I kind of want to give a little bit of background um, I've watched the film quite a few times. If you haven't seen it, um, you're you're in for um, just a, an eye-opening approach. And and the basis, of course, definitely has to do with gathering, but the beauty of it has to do with some of the plight of our Indian people, of our tribal communities. And um, for me, it connected because we have um, we have two worlds that we live in. And it's, it's acknowledged in the, the film. And so within our world, one of the most pronounced are the, the more material side of, of our culture, and that's the salmon, are the huckleberries. And both of those are pretty um, conflictual for our area. And one of the other um, concerns that we have that came to my mind in watching some of the, the film was my own strife in some of those areas. Hopefully I can talk to Nephi and Sammy and see how they feel about some of those areas. And for me, the biggest one um, definitely has to do with access to some of our traditional foods where everything is, land is already claimed and owned. And the, the access sites that we do have are on the sides of county roads and the spraying that takes place and the amounts of cancer that comes to our people. The other part of it definitely has to do with um, being unable to do what we do. And this is our way of life. This is our government. This is our life. 
this is our livelihood. Um, and still feeling that pain generations after our Fort Simcoe area, it, it blows my mind because we had the individuals at Fort Simcoe teach us assimilation and how to speak the language and, and wear the clothes and what self-sufficiency meant in that world. And then today, now we have, which I'm grateful for, cultural curriculums that are mandated in our school systems. But ironically, it's, it's taught by the, some of the same faces that um, taught us in Fort Simcoe, but now they're teaching us how to be native. And so until we come to terms in a middle ground to incorporate some of these teachings and understand the culture that we're not fighting for land. This isn't my land. It's understanding it's our land and how do we best collaborate to take care of it. So I'd like to have um, Nephi and Sammy, if you wouldn't mind um, introducing yourself. Okay, um, I'll start. Uh, thank, thank you for those. Thank you for all those uh, words and information. I appreciate it. Um, I'm, hello, everybody. I'm Nephi Craig. I'm from the White Mountain Apache Tribe in Northeastern Arizona. I'm also um, a Navajo on my late father's side, <clears throat> and uh, I've been cooking professionally 23 years now, and um, this journey of professional cooking kind of started out wanting to do like a fine dining or just be a professional chef without any uh, real, real deep, substantial knowledge of indigenous foodways, and it was through the uh, behavioral activation of ancestral knowledge by cooking for me and following some of the cultivars that my, uh, my paradigm around indigenous foodways began to grow and evolve. And so I always like to say that it was indigenous foods and cultivars, plants and animals that uh, really brought me to the threshold of decolonization uh, in a spiritual sense. Um, it brought me to the threshold of indigeneity and walking through that and learning how to um, do my best to live it out. And so, uh, I feel like I, I, I come to share and present a, a human message and, and uh, hopefully um, share and amplify the, uh, uh, the vitality of our indigenous spirit and uh, just the human experience. So I come, I come here today as a, as a parent, a proud parent and a, a father, a community member, and I'm, uh, you know, I just happen to be a chef. Uh, so thank you for having me here. Thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Samuel Jinsaw III. I come from the village of Rekwa, which is at the mouth of the Klamath River. Uh, I am the uh, program director of the Ancestral Guard program. I've been involved with the Undammed Klamath uh, Coalition for most of my life, uh, since I was about the age of 15. And we are finally seeing um, dams come down on our river as a result of those actions that our people have been taking for the last 20 years. Uh, I'm also the um, Vice Chairman of the Yurok Tribes Natural Resources Committee. And I'm really excited to be here because, you know, I've, as an indigenous person, I was in a boat before I could, uh, before I could walk, you know, I was fishing most of my life, spent a lot of my life on the river. And I know how important it is to our people along the West Coast. So I'm just thankful to be here. Okay. Um, I know that there's um, so many questions and personally, Myself as a as a a member of our gathering community, 
I was really touched by the words that you talked about, Nephi, with um, having to do with wellness. And um, Sammy, the way that you spoke with some of the individuals when you were getting ready to fish. And so I have my own questions that I'll kind of tailor in, but there was a list of um, questions that I know um, a lot of individuals would, would, um, would like to know. So in the film, could you kind of let me know what, what did you get out of it? And, and, and what was your feelings going into it? Was it, was it what, we, what you expected? Well, uh, I didn't know what to expect um, getting into a, this, this production with the film. Uh, initially, I was very hesitant to participate just because uh, a lot of film companies and producers are very, um, um, uh, very notorious for coming in and pretending that they discover us as Native peoples, right? Uh, they kind of come in with a, with a kind of a Columbusing attitude that we're, they're uh, uh, discovering our world and sharing it and all that stuff. So I, I have some experience with uh, production companies and stuff in the past. And just from experience, I was very hesitant. Um, but I, then actually agreeing to, to go into the project, getting to know the directors and the team, I, I began to find and understand their perspective. And, um, and uh, that the, the audience was definitely for our indigenous communities. And I really wanted this to be an, uh, an educational tool for our posterity. Uh, I wanted it to be able to... Uh, um, you know, just kind of speak to what we really experience in Native communities, whether it's on the reservation or whether it's, um, you know, in a rural, in, a, in the city, uh, because both experiences are extremely valid. Uh, none, just because you live in the city doesn't, uh, doesn't outweigh or underweigh the experience of living on the res. So um, the way it turned out uh, in the production of the film is that it was very free flowing and organic. Um, nothing was scripted. It was just kind of capturing us in moments in our life as we were pursuing the work that we've all been engaged in. And uh, I think that comes across in the film. Uh, as you got to see, uh, I'm open about my recovery process and some of the applications of indigenous foods and food ways. Um, I'm very excited about uh, what you mentioned about the, the wellness and the, the health components of our food ways. I feel like that has really been the most exciting evolution of my own experience with working with foods. And so I'm really looking forward to uh, patterning my perspective for the next 10, 15, 20 years moving forward. Um, so um, it was a really enriching experience and I learned a lot and I'm continuing to learn by interacting with people like yourself uh, in these panels. So thank you. For myself, it was a great opportunity to um, kind of showcase the work that we've done because for years we've operated as one of the only self-sustaining youth programs in Del Mar County. And for years we, you know, did present cultural presentations to people and we cooked fish at people's weddings and events and we cooked fish along the road and a bunch of other places. And we raised money and we do car washes and all this stuff to go to these events for Undamned Klamath campaign. And we, uh, go to to stop a pipeline that was supposed to cross our river which is no longer going to happen and um you know we did it a lot on our own and there was no support and we're giving us the opportunity to share our programming with the world because myself as a as a trained organizer you know it's it's we've had all this program developed but we didn't have the resources to implement in our community and when this opportunity to gather came along they said they wanted to um, just kind of follow us around with some cameras and i was really about it but then also they said no we want to make sure that you know making this film 
has an actual impact in your guys' lives. And that was really exciting because honestly, we got from doing this gather project, we got $30,000 within our organization so we could implement a food security initiative. So we, they gave us the opportunity to, to utilize this programming that we've had developed by indigenous youth, youth for years. And it gave us opportunity to watch it flourish in our community and not only flourish, but the opportunity to see that programming um, be adopted by other people in our communities and other organizations and utilize it in their own way. So in a way that we were allowed to open source this programming for other communities, it's been a real blessing. And having that kind of uh, um, access to be able to share our story and let other indigenous youth know that what you're doing right now, even though it may not even be respected within you know, some of the people within your own community, if you keep at it, you keep going, you be persistent and you stay determined that good things will happen. And so we took that and we've ran with it. The gather happened probably about almost about four years ago now. And it's been the changes that we've seen, like right when you're watching gather, we are just, you know, just getting right for a nonprofit status. We're just getting, well, just got our nonprofit status. We're just getting organized. And the steps that we've taken since then has just been remarkable. Well, um, thank you, Sammy. And thank you, Nephi. That's um, kind of going into the next question. I was wondering how long ago the, the film was made in the film. I think you said you were 32 at the time, Nephi, and just opening up your um, business and Sammy um, with the, with some of the stories that went on and the travels that you had in the advocacy um, since the time of the film. What what kind of changes has has it brought? And I and I'm glad you mentioned that there's funding. But what what have you seen in your community? Has there been any changes? Has there been any more awareness? Uh, I think for, for my community, it depends on uh, kind of, uh, it depends on um, uh, what type of work you're in. I think uh, in my community, it's kind of heightened some awareness around uh, indigenous food ways. Um, out on the White Mountain Apache tribe, we're very rural. So we're way up in Northeastern Arizona, about three and a half hours Northeast of Phoenix. And uh, we are in our ancestral territories, um, in our mountains there where we've been for thousands of years. So we do have act, direct access to our landscapes. And um, in terms of seeing um, um, uh, changes or um, uh, growth, it, it depends because uh, many of the community does have access to go out and uh, engage in you know, camping, hunting, fishing, all of those kind of food related activities. And uh, for whatever reason, some people do and some people don't. I think where we'd seen a, uh, um, a really um, kind of visible um, impact was has been at the farm that you saw in, in the film. In Debikiyat, they've increased production and been able to continue to grow more and make more fresh foods available. Uh, for us in, in, our, in our area, for the cafe, at the end of that film, at the end of Gather, when you get to meet us, um, you see the beginning, the very beginning of our soft opening activities in Cafe Gaujon. And so within a few weeks after that, the pandemic hit Arizona pretty hard and the state issued their order to shelter in place. And so we spent about a year um, shutting down the cafe. And so uh, and during that time, we switched to doing a, a lot of telehealth and different uh, outreach programs. And the, um, um, the tribe has been very vigilant about uh, creatively meeting the needs of the community. So 
I think it has brought some awareness, uh, more awareness to food security and food insecurity issues. And I think it's kind of helped to um, um, help us to realize our potent the potential of our landscape from an ancestral perspective, because I feel like as, as native peoples, it's the landscape that taught us how to be who we are. Uh, so for us as Western uh, White Mountain Apaches and Western Apacheria, um, it's our mountains, our rivers, the animals, the climate that taught us who we are. And um, it's woven into the fabric of our language and culture. So um, I hope that we can leverage this uh, heightened awareness of public health and um, sanitation and nutrition, because everyone was talking about uh, boosting your immunity through food and diet. And that kind of bounced back to questions and um, um, people having people remember how strong our uh, uh, native foods are nutritionally. So I think that's kind of some of the kind of a, a multi-dimensional look of how I've seen change because I'm, I'm pretty close to food and the food conversation. So um, I hope that answers the, the question a little bit. Yeah, for us, it, like I was saying earlier, it really gave us the opportunity to showcase existing programming. Um, for instance, our assisted gardening programming or our Victorious Gardens Initiative. We've combined these two services and we're able to you know, deliver life-changing services to people on a daily basis. Right now, we have about 60 garden boxes going out into the community, uh, six foot long, three feet wide, full of hue culture, organic soil, and then putting all organic plants in there, and then coming around to assisted gardening program once a week to make sure that their gardens are up to par and that they're actually producing uh, a good harvest. And also, we've had the opportunity to install a garden rail right along our own river. And, you know, it's just, it's just been amazing that in such a short amount of time, we've developed a foundation that will allow future generations to say that they have grown up in a household and a home that has always had a garden. So when we're talking about, you know, bringing the health into the homes of our people, we're actually, we're doing that. We're doing that in a way that's safe. We're doing it in a way that's educational and bringing families together. And we're utilizing the values of taking care of our land and feeding our people and participating in ceremony and treating ourselves right, all by delivering this core curriculum and services to our families by cleaning up around forests, utilizing, teaching families how to use all these small branches that would get burnt up in a forest fire that you can put it in the bottom of your garden so you can save and conserve water. We're teaching families the importance of bringing vegetables into your diet as a cultural food, not a traditional food, but a cultural food. Because I feel like a lot of people get those two things mixed up and they're all jumbled together and they get jumbled together all the time. But people don't realize traditional food, traditional things are something that our ancestors have done something that we continue to do and we'll always continue to do and we'll teach our future generations to do. Our culture is changing on a daily basis. It's living. It's something that can't be stopped. And no matter what you're doing, you're living your culture. This is who we are. So bringing vegetables into our cultural foods and turning them into a tradition. So we want a whole generation of young people to say, I've always had a garden in my house. I don't know what it's like to not have a garden on my property. And then to have them pass that down as a tradition to their family so that their children will say, well, my mom and dad always had a garden. 
And now we have a garden. I was raised with a garden. It's taking these steps and realizing that, you know, we are not the chosen ones. We are not the generation that's going to fix everything. Everybody that you looked up to is not the person who's going to save you. The people who are going to address the key problems that we face as human beings today are sitting in a kindergarten classroom. They're sitting in a preschool. You know, they're sitting in an early five education system. These are the people who are going to address these problems and deliver solutions that's going to help heal our world. And we need to focus on that and develop ways that we can invest time and energy into these generations so they can do the same for their children. And that brings it back to the values of being indigenous. Thank you. Both of you um, shared a lot of good information. And one of the things I think I really understood and felt in both of those responses is that connection of course to the to the land but how our plants and our animals they are the elders and that's what it's taught in our in in our communities and there's a creation story behind it and so the adherence that you have to those teachings it really opens up my heart and my mind especially during these times of covid um, trying to understand, we've had our, of course, immense losses and the disparities that happen within Native American communities. Um, we felt a huge, huge portion of that. But then also on the flip side um, for this area, um, I guess for myself, there's been a lot of time where I could have um, been very worried and in the mix, but this has been one of the best times where the mainstream has shut down and my cultural life has flourished. And this is the most I've ever gathered. And so how has COVID affected um, your communities? Um, for, for us on the White Mountain Apache tribe, we, had a, um, we, we also experienced a lot of loss of uh, community members and uh, we, we did really, uh, the tribe was very vigilant about shelter in place and quarantine and uh, social distancing measures to protect ourselves. And uh, through the, throughout the course of last summer, we saw a lot of uh, intensive reorganization and adjustments to shift. And so um, meeting the needs by distributing food or cooperating through resources and um, really kind of to uh, doing our best to protect ourselves and our elders and our, our, our families because it was the unknown, you know, last summer. It was so new, everything was under question, and we didn't even know if there would be any type of vaccination in sight. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of changes that we endured uh, together as a community. And like you, I definitely saw a, an increase during the summer last year where a lot more people were engaging in gathering wild foods. A lot more people were outside socially distancing, enjoying and storytelling through foodways. And I feel that reminds me of the sentiment, uh, pressure makes diamonds. You know, it's like when there's so much pressure and so much um, um, change and, and maybe even chaos happening, our native peoples have the, uh, the life ways and the abilities to adapt and maintain that connection and that form of self-care that is sometimes overlooked when we're so busy with our everyday lives. Yeah, you know, we, we did see a rise in people um, gathering and harvesting. And, you know, it's, I, think it's, I think it's really nice. I think it's really nice to see people do these things. But on the other hand, you know, I was raised, I didn't, 
I didn't, I didn't catch fish because I wanted to take a picture or I didn't catch salmon because, you know, I wanted to feel some type of connection to my culture. I went out and I caught salmon because I needed to catch salmon for my people to stay alive. And a lot of these times growing up, it's this type of harvesting and doing these things and going out into the world wilderness and gathering these things. So when I was younger, that was because people, you know, people looked at that and said, you have to do that because you're poor and you didn't really have an option. And, you know, that it was just something that we had to do. And I see a lot of people, you know, um, they build these connections by going to harvest these traditional foods or they post pictures of where they're at and do, you know, post, post it everywhere and do all these things. But that's, that's, own, that's the reward of being connected. You know what I mean? If you really want to, um, what we have to teach people is that this is nice, but we have to remember it's the values of our people that have transcended throughout generations. That, and these values have allowed us to maintain the knowledge to sustain these ways of life. If we want to to harvest these traditional foods, and if we want to um, include ourselves into that world more and more, it takes a lot of work and it takes years of time. And there's certain things that we have to learn and respect to be able to to receive that blessing, to be able to bring that food home for you. Because if you're just going out and you're just catching as many fish as you can, and you know just cooking it, eating it, and doing whatever you're doing with it, then that's not that's those aren't transcending those traditional values that's utilizing these things that's um it's it, it breaks the system that's thousands and thousands of years old and as indigenous people we often um don't look as if we can have that type of impact but what i like to say is that when we do these things like for us when we teach kids about fishing we're not just teaching them to fish and feed themselves we teach them your first salmon you give it away you completely catch it. You spend all that time. And, you know, nowadays you only catch one fish, couple of fish, and you process it all up and you do all these things and then you give it away. And what that does is it sets within the mindset of the child, of the individual who's learning that, you know, these systems of reciprocity need to be in play. Because when you first do that as a child, you feel like all this hard work has just been taken from you. Then you give it to somebody and then once you see how happy it makes them and how it improves that relationship with that person, it makes you feel so good and rewarded. And I believe a lot of that has been taken from us and to, uh, you know, to go to these places and just take, take, take and store for yourself is, um, you know, that's something that's could be dangerous and, you know, exposing these places and exposing these foods to become trends and, you know, to become viral sensations and do these things. It's, uh, it can be, it can be, it can have a negative impact. So we really have to um, educate people about the values of, tr of harvesting traditional foods, just as much as we have to teach people the practices of traditional foods. And that's why I really enjoy farming. And that's why I really enjoy um, growing vegetables, because as a fisherman, it's something that we've never done before. And in our community, people thought, you know, that's, that it couldn't be done. And because we're so divided between fishermen and farmers. And right now we're facing one of the worst fish kills going on in the United States right now in our river and our home system. But what we're doing right now is we are teaching people to lean on vegetables, to lean on these crops and to support their families and 
by doing that, we can put a little bit of ease on this fishery. We can do everything we can to make sure that these salmon are coming up our river. But when it comes down to it, it's the daily decisions that we make as human beings um, that affect our, our lives and how we live and how the world sees us. So we have to really live these values if we're also going to eat the foods. Samuel Gensaw and Nephi Craig were featured in the documentary Gather about Native American food sovereignty. Our conversation was moderated by Mary Lee Jones of the Yakima Nation. To find out more about Confluence and the five completed sites along the Columbia River system, check out our website, confluenceproject.org. Remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit. We can only do this work because of the generous support from the Friends of Confluence, and that's you. Join us today at confluenceproject.org. Thanks for listening to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast. For more episodes, visit confluenceproject.org or wherever you get your podcasts.